Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's the motherfucking caged in podcast and here this week i am here for this bonus episode to talk to you about multiverse theory that out there in the vastness of space that there are multiple universes and in those universes there are multitudes of eventualities that at any given moment that there is a planet somewhere that humans are shoes and shoes are humans and that marshmallows are not something edible but they are big globulous monsters that attack people just like that in the ghostbusters and and in a multi-universe that the the ghostbusters actually happen and anything that is fathomable in your mind that could happen could happen and in one of those crazy crazy universes out there in 1998 a film called superman lives came out and that film was directed by the great tim burton and that film also starred nicholas cage That may sound like a crazy concept to you and something that would only happen in a multiverse and wouldn't happen in this tiny little universe that we live in and this planet that we live on called Earth. But the craziest thing about it is that that could have been a possibility in the world we're living in now. And I'm here to talk about what happened. And the best way to do that is to go back, all the way back, to 1996. It's 1996 and Nicolas Cage won the Oscar for Best Actor in Leaving Las Vegas. Mel Gibson has won Best Director and also Best Picture for the film Braveheart. Kevin Spacey has also won Best Supporting Actor. I wonder what happened to those last two guys and if their careers maybe went off track at all. Um... The Spice Girls sweep the charts with their hit single Wannabe. Tupac and Biggie have unfortunately met their demise. Mad cow disease spreads across the UK. And Prince Charles and Princess Diana's relationship seems to be hitting the skids. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about little events that happened in a movie studio lot at Warner Brothers. A little chat between some studio execs and Kevin Smith. 
Kevin Patrick Smith, born August 2nd, 1970 in Red Bank, New Jersey, rose to stardom with his hit film Clerks, the low-budget indie smash that has since become a cult favourite amongst many people, myself alike. Then in 1995, he wrote and directed the film Morat, which brought in much of his love of comic books, and you can see it much throughout this film. Uh, Was it this that brought him to the door of Warner Brothers? Did they want to give him a chance at one of their franchises or their comic book films that they had one of the dc properties not quite he was there for much different reasons they wanted him to drag the corpse of another dead franchise or property out of the grave and run with that and the ones that they had for him were beetlejuice goes tropical an idea that he thought no thank you not for me and it was only by chance that they had mentioned that they had a script for, at then titled, Superman Reborn, a film in which the early script detailed Superman's desires to get away from being a superhero and seeking advice from psychiatrists and psychologists saying, I can't deal with this anymore, I have so much anxiety about having kids and my relationship with Lois Lane, and how can I be this superhero when I don't feel right amongst myself? And Kevin Smith saw this script and thought, that's a load of trash. And then through much back and forth and deliberation and working his way up the ranks of the studio at Warner Brothers, he managed to convince them that he should be the one to write the script. The first thing on his agenda was to get rid of the title, Superman Reborn. What did that say to the people? It said, hey, let's just rebrand this for a new generation. Nah, that doesn't fly. Let's give it something with a bit more vibrant. Superman Lives then was born, and so did Kevin Smith's script. To shake up the image that had been created by Richard Donner and his film starring Christopher Reeves, that were very campy, a man in a leotard, prancing about, fighting other men in leotards, Kevin Smith looked at inspiration from the 1993 series The Death of Superman, in which Superman is killed by a beast of a monster that is doomsday who is literally his adversary in the best kind of way a physical brutish evil villainous monster that eventually takes him down and in his treatment he would have superman die what better way to have the series rejuvenated and come alive again just like superman would in his story being brought back by kryptonian technology and to fight another day against a whole host of villains including doomsday brainiac lex luthor in his script he had ideas of having cameos the first of which would have been Deadshot, as well as Batman, in which rumours have circulated that Michael Keaton was very much interested in reprising his role for this film. Let's just think about that for a second. Having characters come in, almost creating a DC universe in 1996. This is an idea that nowadays we take for granted with the MCU and the DC universe it's just old hat we just every film there's a there's a link to something else or there's a character pop up and you know that there's oh nick fury's gonna be at the end that means he's gonna say hey there's gonna be this guy in the next film and we're gonna have this whole thing and they're all interlinking they're all in bed with each other and all uh, 
But this is 1996. Let's just think about for that for a second. It would be that would have been fucking crazy, and we this whole ball would have been rolling a lot earlier than it did. Having thought he had nailed his script, Kevin Smith thought, that's it, I'm going back to New Jersey, I'm going to get on with my life, see what happens with this script I've written. But Warner Brothers had other ideas and said, we'd like you to meet with the producer, a guy called John Peters, and he has a few notes he would like to put against the script, and he would like you to read the script for him. Upon meeting John Peters, he had three rules. But before we get to those, who is John Peters? John Peters was born on June 2nd, 1945 in Van Nuys, California. He started his career in Hollywood as a hairdresser on Rodeo Drive. Yes, you heard me right. He was a hairdresser. Um, He managed to make movie star connections and connections amongst the business. And he created a wig for Barbara Streisand, who he went on to start dating. And then before you know it, he was a movie producer with his early work, including A Star Is Born, starring Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson. And the main event in which Barbara Streisand plays a boxer i've not seen this film but it sounds fucking great and i'm sure i will get around to doing it maybe caged in season two will be barbara streisand what a wild ride that would be but moving forward a few years he had managed to be the producer and a very hands-on one at that on the tim burton 1989 Batman and also the 1992 Tim Burton directed Batman Returns and this is where his foray into comic book movies began and he had managed to by some chance some clerical error and some someone not dotting their eyes and crossing those t's and not keeping an eye on what properties had gone out of license But that crafty bastard, John Peters, managed to get his grubby little paws on the rights to the Superman films. So this brings us Kevin Smith and John Peters have connected in John Peters' Hollywood home, in which he has sat down Kevin Smith and said, Hey boy, you little fat shit, you're going to read me this script, because I like people to read me scripts when they've written a script for me, but... I've got three things. I kind of like what you've got going with this, but I've got three things I really want you to do in this film. And they are as this. The costume, it's got to go. In his words, it looked too faggy. Number two, no flying. I don't, I don't like the flying. It looks cheap. It looks crap. It looks corny as hell. None of that flying. And his third one was in the third act, he would like Superman to fight a giant spider. That is it, a giant spider, guys. I know with John Peters, you might be thinking you're mishearing things. He did start off as a hairdresser. And yes, he did want Kevin Smith to write into the script that Superman fought a giant spider. Kevin Smith, though, got created with with this and managed to write into the script that it wasn't so much a spider but was a targaryen snare beast that came from a distant planet and it was all types of craziness and while superman was dead 
Brainiac would stumble upon the Fortress of Solitude and John Peters wanted there to be something going on. He wanted an action scene. And as Kevin Smith has said himself, he's like, what do you mean? Like, what what do you want from me? He's like, there should be a fight. He should fight some polar bears, you know, because they're, they're fierce, fierce beasts as well. They, will, they could shred a man with no hesitation. Polar bears are tough as shit. Um... And as Kevin Smith has alluded to in and said in, not alluded to, he has outright said in interviews, um, why why would Superman need bodyguards? And it's the Fortress of Solitude. It's, it's just him there, man. He's there alone. Why would he need guards? Um, but John Peters wanted it anyway. And he is a man who seems to have liked to get what he wants and he wants that now with john peters happy with kevin smith's scripts the next point of call was who the fuck is going to direct this motherfucker and names were banded around but the one they both agreed on was tim burton tim burton to this point had kind of established his career as the king of the goth and the weird and had managed to kind of create a crazy vision of gotham in his batman films that just had that tim burton edge to them and he had just come off directing mars attacks something that had kind of almost looked like something that could have leapt off the pages of a comic book itself and kind of disregarded tim burton's color palette of the the dark and the drab and the dull and looked like something that's a bit more bright and vibrant which i believe is something that he would have definitely bought interesting and new and different to the superman vision that he had um i think everyone thought that maybe he would have made it a dark and broody and almost made him like yeah done the same of what he did with superman of making it quite uh batman i mean sorry uh making it quite dark and that that drab but coming off of mars attacks we can see that tim burton can do vibrant he can do bright he can do this kind of wacky off the wall stuff so it would have definitely have been interesting but with the hiring of tim burton came the unfortunate firing of kevin smith and this is where kevin smith takes a bow from the proceedings of superman lives with kevin smith now off the film tim burton had called upon an old friend and writing partner who had worked with on the batman films in wesley strick by his own admission strick unlike kevin smith was not a comic book fan and just saw this as another job Throughout the production, he was eventually fired and Dan Gilroy was brought on to carry on with the writing of the film. In part, Dan Gilroy was brought on to the film because Wesley Strick's script had just blown the budget up way too much. And with Dan Gilroy on board, he had brought the budget down from $140 million to a reasonable $100 million that Warner Brothers could seem to stomach and move forward with. Um, in the script, with all the uh, ones that have come before it, and to this point, the basic plot from what we know is that Doomsday 
with the help of Lex Luthor and Brainiac, manages to kill Superman and he is brought back to life by Kryptonian technology that resuscitates him and he goes back to, I guess, probably fight them and defeat them and there would have been, like, a lot of the stuff that I, about about this is, there's a lot of visual imagery out there, so I, I implore you guys to get online and look at, like, the kind of conceptual art for this uh, supposed film, because it is great. Um, there was plans that, so, like, let's get into the casting of this. So the casting of this, Lois Lane would have been played by... Sandra Bullock, um, which uh, <laughs> would have been great. Um, Brainiac would have been played by Christopher Walken. Again, amazing casting. Um, and Lex Luthor would have been played by Kevin Spacey, who eventually did go on to play um, Lex Luthor in Brian Singer's Superman Returns, but yeah, Kevin Spacey, I'm sure as a lot of you know, uh, has come out that he's a piece of shit, uh, I believe, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really, I don't really want to get into that, but yeah, it's, stuff's come out, I'm sure you're all aware of that, um, and obviously Superman would have been played by our man of the moment, the guy the reason this whole fucking podcast exists, Nicolas Cage, um, which from what I have like researched and I watched the documentary, The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened uh, by John Schnepp and it is fucking great uh, and there's some amazing footage in that where you see that the vision that Tim Burton and Nicolas Cage had for Superman is to really focus in on the fact that he was an alien from another planet and kind of explore that way of dealing with it. Not so much that he's just this man of steel, someone who cannot be killed, who has one weakness, but more that he's... It's almost like Clark Kent is the weirdo and Superman is the normal one, almost. That, like, he feels alien in his own body, let alone it's, like, when he gets the kind of flourish with his alien ways of obviously all the kryptonian the kal-el side of him is superman whereas clark kent is him suppressing that and that is almost the alien part of him but i think it would have been fucking great uh i know there's a lot of speculation out there that people are like nicholas cage as superman no i'm not buying it who better to play Superman? A man who has actually named one of his sons Kal-El. A man who looks alien. We have seen that he can be bizarre. He can be off the wall. He can be madcap. He would have been a perfect Superman in my eyes. I am kind of saddened that we never got to see this film. There's a lot of speculation that it could have been turned into an animated film. But it's not as simple as that. Um, yeah, you can't just turn a script that is intended for screen. And this film got all the way up to three weeks before shooting began. When 
it was sadly shut down and remained dead. And I believe will remain dead. This project will never, never, ever get off the ground. Because obviously we now have Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman. Just in a couple of weeks we have the Justice League. So the death of Superman, uh, Superman lives, will be dead forever. It will never see the light of day. And that's a really sad prospect to me. Like I feel like this would have... In the wake of, obviously, superhero films now, just think about if this kind of way of doing it with these multiple characters, these multiple... This cinematic universe could have been kick-started in 1999 or 98 when roughly this film would have come out. And it would have been great. And... I feel like it would have been fresh, it would have been new, and for you naysayers out there, just really, just take a moment to sit down and really think about, like, Nicolas Cage. Like, I know, I know a lot of people can't get past a lot of the, the, the latter-day stuff, that he's kind of become a online joke almost, he's just a, he's a meme in himself, um, and I feel like that is that is one of the reasons he's kind of, you don't really see him do that many interviews and doesn't open up about a lot of stuff um listening to podcasts and other stuff trying to get as much information about what happened with um superman lives nicholas cage has got to a point where he just doesn't talk about this uh john snepp has mentioned that he tried to get nicholas cage to talk about his experience and he's like i'm past it like tim burton as well was someone who's very hard to he kind of at points didn't want to talk about it because it had been so hard it's been such a like turbulent time and like he literally got to the point where he was about to make the film like he'd done all the hard work he'd done well he'd done all the fun stuff for just getting up to the up to the starting line of actually the only thing they didn't do was film it which i imagine would be a long arduous task they had the script in place even sets were being built. They had the cast. They literally had it ready to go. And it shut down. But why did it shut down? That is the question I want to ask. And there are some answers. There's a few There's a few possible reasons. Well, I feel like there's many factors that came into play. Uh, one of them was that Warner Brothers just wasn't having a good time at the box office that year. Films were flopping left, right and centre. So obviously, a large investment film like this, taking a risk on someone like Tim Burton and Nicolas Cage to produce this superhero epic would have been a very, very risky move. They just didn't want to roll the dice on it. Um, The budget as well, they believed the budget was too high and just trimming it and trimming it. And I just don't think they had the faith in Tim Burton, didn't have the faith in Nicolas Cage, didn't have the faith in the writers, and they just didn't feel like the script was good enough. And then, back to our friend John Peters. He jumped ship and moved over to produce a film called Wild Wild West, which turned out that the money that was going to be used for Superman Lives was quickly pumped into... Wild Wild West. I'm not sure if 
you guys have seen this film. Um, I believe it was released in 1999 or 98, starring Will Smith, Kevin Klein, and Kenneth Branagh. And if you watch that film right until the end, you see that Will Smith and Kevin Klein fight Kenneth Branagh's villain in a giant spider. So John Peters eventually got what he wanted. Those three rules he had for Kevin Smith kind of paid off. Because obviously, there was no Superman costume in this film. Well, why would there be? It's not a Superman film. There's no flying. Well, not from what I can remember. But there is a giant steampunk mechanical spider. So I bet somewhere out there, even now, John Peters goes to sleep at night with a big old smile on his face. Knowing that he got his spider but also somewhere out there, Nicolas Cage and Tim Burton probably go to sleep with a niggling thought in the back of their minds of what could have been, what could have soared, could it have been a bird, could it have been a plane, no, it could have been Superman Lives, but we will never know what the life of that film would have been. We just know about its early demise. And as I said, that saddens me that we will never see what could have been. Out there in the ether that that could have happened, but it doesn't have to, we don't have to make the movie. It's still interesting to people. And that's the tale of Superman Lives. Sorry again that this episode um, was late, but as promised, I still release it this week. Um, it's Friday now and this will be going up as soon as I finish recording. Um, and yeah, I will be back with you next Tuesday. Um, I was meant to have a guest of Brett Jones from the Hardest Part of the Ring podcast for The Family Man. But things just haven't worked out. Life has got in the way. So I'll be doing this one solo. Um, but tomorrow I'm going to see my family. So I thought what better way to watch that film then i'm gonna watch it on the train on my way there and on my way back so yeah i'll have that ready for you next tuesday so uh things will be back to normal it'll just be regular episodes from then on out um december might be a bit of fun i've got some fun episodes planned for then but until then it's just going to be back to chronological cage we're going to be raging with that cage. The gloves are going to be off. We're going to be having a, a fun old time. Me, Nicholas Cage, and what other, what, what, whoever, whoever else pops up. Any, any cast of clowns and fun people and fun directors. I know I've got some fun ones coming up. Um, but yeah, see you next Tuesday for the Family Man. And as always, I've been Petrus Patsidavis. I've been caged in. You've been rad. Bye. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copa Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.